Welcome to a special edition of Zealous Podcast. It's kind of ooh, opposite day. And what I mean by that is I am the one being interviewed this time around by Dr. Jay Lee. He is a physical therapist with PhysioX in Needham, Massachusetts, which is the location that I'll be heading to this September to teach Exploring Foot Wedges, the course that or workshop that I've been kind of oh advertising in the last few weeks. So Jay's been kind enough to kind of put some time aside and we sat down and started talking and he asked me a whole bunch of questions and hopefully I answered them to his liking and yours as well. So enjoy this kind of opposite day special edition of the Zealous Podcast. All right, so welcome everyone to another PhysioX guest speaker event. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Dr. Jay from social media, social media, and also the owner of PhysioX, a holistic physiotherapy practice in Needham, Massachusetts. And joining with me is my associate, Dr. Adrian Gonzalez, right there, as you can see. And before we introduce our guest today, I just want to go over some of the format of this call. So this is an interactive event where our audience are encouraged to ask questions, uh, but we do ask everyone to ask their questions in the chat room. Uh, that way, Adrian can look at the chat room and monitor that so we're not talking over each other. So that's the only rule we have for today. And without further ado, today we have Rocky Snyder, someone who I respect a lot, and it's a pleasure to have him here with us today. And we'll be talking about all things foot wedges. What are they? What do we do with them? Why should we even care about them? And talk about the upcoming workshop he's hosting at PhysioX on September 23rd. So Rocky and I actually met at a workshop, another workshop that he hosted on wedges, because I've been using wedges for the better half of well, three to four years now. And I think absolutely had changed our entire perspective of how we look at the human body and how things work. So for me, it's been super impactful. And I know for my clientele who's been exposed to this type of treatment has been super impactful. And I'm just very excited to learn more, especially from someone like Rocky, who's well-versed in this area. So tell me, so Rocky, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and how you get into this whole thing about wedges and feet, you know, what's all that about? Certainly, Jay. Thanks for having me on. I'm really happy that we can have this time to kind of share ideas and experience and uh, whether it's with wedges, just the human body itself. I, I'm just always fascinated by it. I grew up just north of where you are in Reading, Massachusetts. I went to the University of Massachusetts out in Amherst. And then as soon as I graduated there, I had some friends that I went to school with that had a, a crazy idea that they were going to move to California. And so I followed them out and it looks like I was the, the only one that stayed out here. So I'm in Santa Cruz on the central coast of California, away from the uh, hurricanes or whatever we're calling them in Southern California. But I'm, I'm right on the coast of Monterey Bay and back into, I've been a, a strength coach since 1993, officially personal training since about 1992. So I guess I'm one of the OGs as, as I've been called. And Somewhere along the way, I realized that a lot of the strength conditioning programs, personal training programs, were drawing people actually unknowingly out of alignment, causing a lot of orthopedic concerns and inflammation. Uh, clients that I would have early on started developing like elbow tendonitis or low back issues or shoulder stuff, rotator cuff. And I, I didn't attribute it to the workouts that they were doing. But as I learned more, I realized that the programs in the, the 90s were much more bodybuilder style, which was isolating and the, 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 the need to create bigger, more beautiful physiques it came at a cost. And, and so I learned about 
posture and the importance of alignment and how to assess your client's posture to truly find out what the muscles and the bones were doing. And once we found that out, then we could get a better understanding of what they truly needed to not only make them stronger, but also to enhance their posture and their alignment simultaneously, which would reduce all that inflammation. So pretty soon I had people that were coming in with chronic pain that were seeing me because the stuff that we do, that the approach we took was helping them to reduce or eliminate it completely. So I started following the rabbit down the hole a little bit further and further. And, and aside from understanding what the body does while it's standing still like a tree fighting gravity, what does it do when it moves across space? So I started getting into gait mechanics, gait analysis, which drew me to, in 2014, to one of my mentors, Gary Ward, who formed an educational program called Anatomy in Motion. And that is where I became not only intrigued with biomechanics and the relationship that one joint has with another as we move through space, but how these little foam wedges could change not only the position of the foot, but it could change how the foot reacted to the ground, which in turn changed how the knee and the hip and the spine and the neck and all through the body had to negotiate against gravity in this different position, which would be something that was much more beneficial to them overall, if we could offer them different experiences that their patterns of movement were locked into these feedback loops, well, we could disrupt that and give them something that might be more efficient. And the brain is hardwired to be as efficient as possible. It's, it's hardwired kind of for perfection. So as soon as we implement that, well, amazing things began to happen. And so I, I dove in deep with anatomy and motion. I went to as many workshops that were offered in North America as I could. And over the course of those years, I learned enough to become uh, an instructor myself. And over the last few years, I've been teaching such workshops. And now combined with my earlier teachings with anatomy and motion, creating my own courses, uh, borrowing from basically standing on the shoulders of giants, borrowing all their information and seeing if I can't culminated into a simplified approach. And there's, there's the, uh, the whole story wrapped into one little five minutes stint. Right. No, I love that. Cause I love what you said about when you put your foot on the ground and the nervous system really just hardwired for perfection. And when it can sense a better way of doing something, it will want to adapt and do it that way. I think the truly remarkable thing about when I was on my journey looking at anatomy motion and Gary Ward is that when I find my foot in a place that's supposed to be, there's this sense of peace, there's this sense of melting in my body that just happens. And it's like, oh, wow, that's what it feels like for all my joints to be in the right place at the right time. Like, I didn't even know everything was all, you know, wacky in, in, in the beginning until I know what it felt like to feel right. So I think that's super powerful. And that's something that we do in our clinic as well. It's like, can we get someone to experience the ground differently, feel the feet? Can we experience them to experience uh, the joints differently? And that's, that's super powerful. And that's one of the things that really drew me because the stuff that you do is not, it's not theoretical, you know, it's, it's not like something you think about, but you're like, yeah, you kind of get it, but you kind of don't. But it's like, when you feel it, it's powerful because it's just visceral when you, when you can do that. And that's what really- I'm you know, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jay, because we, as a society, as a culture, have a tendency to compartmentalize. In, in the human form, we look at a shoulder and all we see are the bones that come together here, but that bone travels down and 
in some cases, we might say that this is a lower shoulder, uh, but in anatomy books, we call it an elbow, right? The, the, the knee is a lower hip. I mean, it's all connected. And, and the same holds true for the physical, spiritual, emotional, mental components of our existence. And you can't detach these. They are integrated together. And so over the course of this time, you, it's just so wonderful to see how a person's energy, persona, uh, mental health in the moment has a tendency to change when you have a, a connection with the planet, with you, when you bring them to a more centrated, balanced place. And all world cultures have this. If we think about yoga, they talk about the alignment of chakras. If we talk about chiropractic care, it's the alignment of joints. I mean, there's, there's so many different worldviews that, that overlay, but say the same message. And when we talk about the, the mental with the physical, I, I, just, I just love that you see that part in this because it's something that we don't really speak of at length. It's just something we have this kind of quiet smile as a, as a I would say a practitioner, as a guide, whatever label you want to, to place on it is that you have somebody come in they're, in, they're distressed. You give them a few different things that change the way in which they, they contact the world and relate to the environment around them in a biomechanical sense, but then you see that change in their, in their facial expression, you see it in their, their energy and they walk, they don't walk out. They actually kind of almost like float, even though they're well-grounded, they, they kind of just bounce out going, I wanna go do something. That is for me, that's like, I knew I hit the mark when they come in and they leave in, and they wanna go do something, especially something they haven't in a while. So yeah, yeah. kudos for, for nailing that. Right. Well, I want to. I know we're going to go into that space, but I'm glad we did as well because I have the story I want to tell you, and I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, one of my clients, we were using some of the wedges, getting this person to perceive the ground in a more you know, holistic way, in a way that everything that's that's supposed to be. And he said something really profound to me. He said, um, "Ah, I feel like I don't know what it is, but I feel like I belong here." I say, like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what are we getting at?" And he come out and he said that I feel like as someone who growing up, I didn't feel like I have a have a place in this world. Like I like I shrunk myself. So I would walk with my my body closed. And after we're kind of going to these movements and opening my chest, feeling the ground, I feel like I'm more confident. I feel like I can take up space in this world again. And I'm like, wow, I did not perceive that coming. All I did was get this person to shift away forward on, on their foot and getting the body to line up and they coming up with this very emotional connection to the ground so he's in a way the ground it grounded him in a physical but also an emotional and a spiritual way at the same time that was probably the most profound things i found personally working one-on-one -on -one using these wedges for people okay i love the fact that you're a doctor of physical therapy you just shared that story that unfortunately is so uncommon. I wish it happened more often. Um, it's just, it, I love it. I love uh, hearing, uh, I, I love hearing stories like that because I, I think it's important we share those. It, it's, not just, it's not just physical. Mm -hmm. we, we're dealing with a lot of uh, 
emotional pain that manifests in the physical body. We're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. We're dealing with a lot of the, uh, you know, not to get too into any world religion or anything, but the de seven deadly sins, right? The things that we, we sabotage our happiness with and not to get too far out there in the ethereal plane or anything, but it's amazing. You get the joint, you get a knee joint to start moving and then suddenly somebody starts laughing or crying. You're going, what the heck is that? You see it often enough, it, it becomes, I won't say commonplace, but it's it's no longer a foreign or alien occurrence. Oh yeah, just another lady who was able to pronate her foot, get into the pelvic floor, open that up, start tearing up. <laughs> and it's, it's like, I understand the connection, but I just didn't know the connection it has to the emotional part of the body. Okay, so now we can go to this space all day, but- uh, I know, I know, we gotta get into some other stuff. Yeah, we, we need to get another different like podcast or something to talk about this specifically. But let's talk about like the mechanical stuff, right? Because we're looking at the foot. We, I mean, I know we all we all kind of have an idea that the feet will connect our whole entire body. That's how orthotics work, you know. Well, if that is that's not the case, orthotics wouldn't be a thing that people would be prescribed. Well, actually, now speaking of orthotics, why don't you just give me a, why don't you give me your opinion on orthotics? Like, is it overprescribed? Is it you know prescribed <laughs> perfectly well? Like, what is your take on that? All right. Heat, hot seat 101. That's what you're putting me on. I love it. Okay. Hey, look, I just happen to have a skeleton of a foot here. How wild is that? We'll see that it's made up of more than just a couple bones. In fact, there's 26 of them. And if we include these little ones of the ball of your foot by your big toe called sesamoids, there's a couple there. So officially 28 bones, 26 that are merely meant for a lot of the movement. And where the bones come together, that space and anatomy world, we call a joint. And when we add them all up, there's 33 joints. And they fit together in very much like a jigsaw puzzle. The shape of these bones are shaped for a reason because they have their own unique place and role to play when the foot is behaving. And the two primary ways that the foot will behave is when it lands on planet Earth and when it pushes off planet Earth. When it lands on planet Earth, we call that pronation. And when we push off the planet, we call it supination. They're two completely polar opposite events. And therefore, during the foot's dropping to the ground with the arches in pronation, there's a certain movement that occurs throughout all the joints. And when the opposite occurs in supination, well, the opposite joint mechanics occur. Now, I bring these two, these, these two actions in because what you'll see is almost like the foot is breathing, shall we say. It's like it's opening and closing. It's shortening and lengthening. And not just in this direction, but we could say in, in all three dimensions that we live in, there's expansion and constriction. There's opening, closing. The muscle tissues are lengthening and shortening. Now, orthotics have a sound under, like a, a sound approach in a way. They figure, well, if I've got somebody that it doesn't know how to reform the arch, then maybe I could put something underneath it to help create that arch. And in the past, not so much today, but historically, those orthotics were very hard. They were very rigid, hard shells that a person would stand in a cast in some kind of soft thing they would stand in and then that would create the cast needed to pour a mold to help 
create a better arch. The trouble being is that by doing so and putting something very rigid under here, when they went to land, well, the foot wasn't allowed to breathe. It wasn't allowed to drop and lift. It was just saying, I'm putting a gag order on half the things that you're responsible for in your life. So maybe the symptom that was happening when they saw the podiatrist or, or their doctor or whomever cast the orthotic, maybe that symptom went away because they changed how the foot behaved. However, there's a big chance that further down the road, weeks, months, or even years, because they changed the mechanics and didn't allow the foot to absorb or, or lengthen out and to spread out like a child dropping on a trampoline before it drives off the trampoline, because they took the trampoline away, maybe it sent more shock up to the knee, to the hip, to the lower back, to the neck. Somewhere in this integrative chain is gonna to have to deal with the fact that the foot is behaving differently. And then the next thing you know, oh, my lower back is bothering me. But rarely would anybody follow the, the breadcrumbs back to the fact that this person has changed the mechanics. Now, there is a place for orthotics. I'm not saying to everybody in the audience, go just reach in your shoe and pull those things out. Maybe there's a purpose for it, but there's also a purpose for the foot to behave the way it should. That's where the wedges can come into place is it's kind of like a, I won't even, I, I won't say a temporary orthotic, but it's a temporary encouragement to change the behavior of the whole body. We just come in it from the bottom up. So orthotics do have their place. And in these days, a lot of the orthotics that people come in with are actually more pliable. So it gives them a little rigidity to help reform the arch. And at the same time, it gives them the ability to drop down. But I look at the orthotic as similar to a cast on a broken arm. If we provide all the support without training the muscles on what it should do during the healing process, then when I take that cast off my arm, those muscles have atrophied. They haven't been used. So by putting an orthotic underneath the foot, we're not actually encouraging some of the muscles surrounding that area and maybe throughout the body to actually engage the way they should. Therefore, they may atrophy and therefore shrink in, in size and ability. And when the time comes when we need that strength, that size, that resiliency, and it's not there, bad things may tend to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Love the explanation. That's so thorough. That's great. Um, we see so many people come in with orthotics. And what we do, we tell them to take off their shoes and watch them move. And what we find is that the foot becomes very rigid over time. Because it, like you said, it just didn't have the ability to to breathe before. So we use some of these wedges to help them breathe. And this is something that I found interesting that over the course of weeks, months, they find those orthotics that was once comfortable were no longer comfortable. And what they end up happening is that they end up taking these orthotics out anyways. Yes, I, I find the same thing. They are just naturally going to be kind of finding that out on their own. So I just, I refuse to say, oh, take them out. You don't need them anymore. They're going to have to experience it for themselves. And they really need to, you know, intrinsically experience life with life without which one am I going to choose? And if I could add one more thing in regards to having something underneath the foot, the foot is actually, there's three arches 
underneath the foot. It's not just the arch that everybody thinks about, what we call the medial arch, the one on the insole. There's a shallower arch on the outside of the foot. As you can see, this is the outside of the foot, and it's arched, and, and that's called the lateral arch. And then, of course, the roof of the foot is arch-shaped as well, and that's called the transverse arch. We've actually got three arches. And with, with architects, they'll tell you that the important part of an arch is the keystone, which is this keystone or, or keyhole shaped stone, they call the keystone, which helps to create the rigidity of the arch when force is applied downward onto the arch. So any bridges that you think about, they have that keystone and it holds, it actually gets more stable and more rigid, the more force is applied down onto it. Con conversely to that, if I were to apply force from below into that arch, well, that actually reduces the rigidity. It separates everything and reduces the stability. So then I scratch my head in regards to orthotics. And if I have a force that's pushing up into the arch, isn't that going to create less stable environment? So just food for thought. Oh, that's very interesting. I never thought about like that with the keystone. It's fascinating. Hoping to learn more in a couple of weeks. But let's talk about the wedges now. So I know I've used it, love them. And it just seems like there's a lot of different combinations to use them. So why don't you kind of walk us through like what, why do we bother with these wedges? What kind of effect can it have on the body? And how come I saw a video that if you put a wedge on the heel somewhere, someone's neck will move better. Cause that's so far from where the foot is. How does that work? Like to me, that sounds like, that sounds like voodoo, but maybe not, not to me, but like to the general public, that just seems like it doesn't make sense. So why don't you elaborate on that? All right, yeah, voodoo is a great term, voodoo or magic. And yeah. I think, um, I won't talk to voodoo because I don't want to offend anybody, uh, any Cajun folk that might be listening, but magic, magic is just something we don't understand. It's an illusion. And, but once we understand the, the behind the curtain, how it's actually done, well, it's not magic anymore. It's because you've got an understanding of it. So we'll talk about the neck in just a moment, but uh, spending some time in relation to the feet and the wedges, the foot, when it's in its more, most stable position, has this tripod-like effect, like a photographer's tripod. There's three legs, um, pyramids, triangles. It's all about Structure is all about triangles and there is structure to the foot. And when it comes to the foot, there are three points underneath the foot that should maintain contact when we're standing to give us that tripod effect. One of them is underneath the bottom of our heel. We call that the calcaneus bone. So underneath the calcaneus. Another point of contact is gonna be the ball of the foot by the big toe. We call that the first metatarsal head. And then there's another point of contact at the ball of the foot by the, the little toe, known as the fifth metatarsal head. Interestingly enough, we just talked about arches. That, that big arch we always think of, the medial arch on the inside of the foot. Well, the two places that the arch comes down and contacts the ground is the calcaneus or the heel and the first metatarsal head. That lateral arch we were talking about, where the points come down and contact the ground with this arch, is the calcaneus in the fifth metatarsal head. And when it comes to the roof of the foot, the two points that come down are the first 
and fifth metatarsal head. So these three points make up this triangle also are the three points that contact the ground for all three arches. Now, if I were to, uh, let's just say, hurt my hip, I went skiing or something and I slammed into the mountain and I bruised my hip. Chances are, I'm not gonna wanna put a lot of weight into the hip that's bruised. I'm gonna just shift my hip slightly over to the opposite side, just to take a little pressure off. Now what's gonna happen down below at that foot when the hips shift, well, that's gonna shift the bones up above my foot and it's gonna affect the place where the pressure comes down, it's my feet. So the body up above the foot can dictate where the pressure is on, on the undersurface of your foot. And that means that if I don't have those three points of contact firmly in place when I'm standing, well, my structure is now compromised, my foot shape has changed, the position of my ankle, my knee, my hip, heck, how my pelvis is sitting when I shift over may affect my spine, and therefore that whole stacking of cups with the bowling ball on top we call a skull, well, that's gonna have to kind of change and reposition all because of that, that hip that I bruised. And it's going to become a pattern of how I move. And I will adopt that as a normalized pattern and, and maybe hold on to it as a shadow of that injury that occurred. And this occurs throughout our entire life. Anytime surgery, injury, even emotional upheaval occurs, our body's gonna shift. And that's gonna change where the pressure is under our foot. Enter in a simple machine in the laws of physics, an inclined plane. You know, we've got levers, screws, but we've also got this ramp. And if I find a place that is losing contact, that needs contact, well, I can just take a wedge and slide it in and fill in the space that is present underneath that foot. And then the, the body can push against it and reestablish better contact, which will create a quite a different chain reaction of the body. A place that wasn't being loaded is now loaded. The hips that were shifted are going back to where they were or into a new place. The other thing about this is that it's kind of a hill. Not only can I fill space by putting it under the foot, but I can put it under the foot and use gravity to almost encourage it to roll down. So I can encourage bone motion to speed up when, when I position it this way. But I could also encourage it to slow down if it was going uphill. So by putting the wedge in in different places, I can encourage good contact under places that may not have it, which gives me more stability, which feeds up my entire kinetic chain through my body. I can encourage bone motion depending on which way I direct that wedge. So I can speed things up that move too slow or I can slow things down and move too fast. So I can change the timing pattern and not just at the foot, but at the whole chain reaction of the body. And I know that when the foot moves in a certain way, that the hips should move a certain way, the spine should move a certain way, the head should move a certain way. And if I understand this relationship that these, these joints have with one another, we call it a joint coupling relationship, then I know that if I put the, the wedge underneath this part of the foot, it's going to encourage the foot to do something which will encourage the ankle, the knee, the hip, the head. So in that regard to your video that you saw me performing when I assessed 
the head rotation, found out that maybe I was restricted rotating in one direction. I put the wedge underneath the foot that I knew would encourage a chain reaction all the way up the head. And so just by standing on that wedge, we reassessed the head's ability to rotate and suddenly it improved all because of the chain reaction through this entire integrative body that we have. I can't unscrew my hand. I can't pull off my arm without really bad things happening. They're all connected. And so when my elbow bends, my shoulder should do something. When I sit in the chair, my knee, my ankle, my feet all have a role to play. And when we understand those roles and we understand how to place the wedges underneath the foot to encourage better behavior, better mechanics, then amazing voodoo and magic begin to happen. Absolutely. Love that. And that kind of explains uh, if someone having some kind of hip issue or shoulder issue and we can stretch all day, we can go through these motion all day long and it never sticks. Maybe it's because of the alignment that originates from the feet and how it translates up that alignment had not been corrected. So now we're kind of, we're already started with a rotated state and we're trying to rotate our head. We're going to get stuck because normal mechanics will not allow for these motion to push past the point of what's normal until we can change the alignment down below. So I love that. Yes. And yeah. it could come from the top down in terms of neurologically, like the, the unconscious brain is constantly managing the mass of our body and it's going to do it in the most efficient means it can at any given time through any situation or event. And over the course of our life, that unconscious mind has had to negotiate how to move based on the experiences we've had in our life. For instance, you sprain your ankle on a soccer pitch. Now the brain has to figure out how am I going to continue to keep this athlete doing what they're doing with an injury down below. Well, I'm not gonna suddenly have him walk on his hands because that's not, that's, that's a lot more work and that's not very efficient. But if I just shift the weight just a little bit here or there, then that's going to allow me to continue doing what I'm doing. It will require those other areas to work a little bit harder. Some actually need to quiet down in order for others to work. And it's this constant like United Nations in our body making negotiations with all these lands to try and get the common goal of continued living. And what we find is that that person that injured their ankle 10 years ago, well, that ankle hasn't learned how to come to, to 2023. It's still living with the trauma it suffered back 10 years prior. And so in part, we need the brain to understand that even though that was 10 years ago, the brain doesn't realize that. There's, there's no time concept in the old, the unconscious brain. It's just given information, interpreting it, and sending out um, its, its interpretation and a response. If we can change that, change that feedback loop, give it um, encouragement to actually load properly into that place that was injured so long ago and to teach it how to properly do that through the whole body, then the brain goes, oh my gosh, I forgot all about this. What, was, what have I been doing? I'm going to do this because this is a much better way of moving. So when we ask clients, in your case, patients about their health history, there's a reason for that. We want to know what happened before this happened. Somebody comes in with shoulder pain, but they didn't fall on their shoulder. They didn't get hit by anybody. It just started bugging them one day. 
that's more mechanical, most likely. That's something that is trying to negotiate with the rest of the body. And it finally put its hands up and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to let you know that I don't like it. And pain started to ensue. But it's not the shoulder's fault. Most of the time, the symptom area where the pain is felt is the victim of the crime and not the culprit. We've got to hunt down the clues to find out how did this occur? Why is it behaving this way? It didn't just wake up one day and say, I've got this great practical joke. I'm going to mess with Dr. J for no apparent reason. I'm just going to make his life a living hell by making his shoulder in pain. Uh-uh. It could have come from that ski trip you took up into New Hampshire and you wrenched your knee last winter. And now after a year, after a good many months of trying to lift the shoulder to lift weight off of that injured side, that shoulder saying, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to make you understand that I can't do this any longer. And so most people, and, and maybe some of your colleagues that aren't up to speed like you are, they may just go and do everything they can about that shoulder. It's the one that's been beat up. So we're just going to crank on it more. We're going to focus on the victim of the crime and not find the culprit. When Finding out a person's health history, you discover, oh, you know, I wrenched my knee back in the wintertime. Like, oh, that's interesting. I might want to look at that and see how that knee is operating and find out that actually I'm trying to get off of that knee by lifting that shoulder over there. So if I get that person back on their knee in the proper way, maybe using some wedges under their foot to give them the proper chain mechanic, then that shoulder has no more reason to do that. And it begins dropping down. And then like that, you chest their, their shoulder out and they're like, wow, what did you do? I didn't even, you didn't even touch my shoulder. It feels so much better. Like magic, voodoo, understand. Yeah. And it gets, it's not magic anymore. We love those situations. And that's why we do a very <sighs> thorough history whenever someone comes in. It's like, yeah, I know you're coming in for a back. Anything happened to your ankle? Anything happened to your knee? And you keep asking these questions and people forget. And then you start evaluating them. And I said, oh, yeah, this ankle's pretty weak. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, like, 25 years ago, I was playing golf and then I trip on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the story's starting to add up a little bit more. But people, we don't, we don't, we don't always remember all the injuries because we, we want to forget about it. We just want to forget. But our body never really forgets. The body will always remember. And I love what you said about, like, your, this part of your body is back in, you know, 2001. And the rest of your body is in 2023. And I love that. I love that. I'm going to actually use that for the way that I explain some of these things to, to our clients as well. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, we think of like Pavlov and his dog and the conditioning. But in truth, it's constantly happening with us. We're, we're constantly being conditioned by the experiences of our life. And, and when we get an injury, we're, we're conditioned not to go there. You know, and, and sometimes what's remarkable too, you probably find this, this getting away from our point, but somebody with a chronic low back issue uh, uh, and, and it goes away or whatever, when times of stress or trouble comes on, their lower back starts bugging it. It's like the brain is trying to give us an understanding that, hey, be careful. This is a warning sign. There's nothing wrong with your back, but I got your attention the last time. So I need to get your attention to be careful. Hmm, how's that? Oh, I know. I'm going to make that back start bothering you again. You know, we see it all the time. So yeah, it's, it's really quite wild when you, when you think about the, the relationship, how the nervous system works, how it's there to protect us. And, and sometimes it, it does too good of a job and, and creates issues in the tissues. So we just need to, you know, we need to give it a cuddle. We need to just say, hey, it's all right. This isn't the end of the world. Let's guide you in and out of these positions to let you know. I kind of equate it to like, 
teaching a young child how to cross the street safely. You're not just going to say, hey, go out there. You're fine. Go and play. Nothing's going to happen. No, you want to hold them by the hands. You want to teach them how to look left and right. No traffic. Okay, let's get across. We'll cross quickly and safely. And then as they start to learn that, now that's a skill they have. It's the same thing with the body. Can we just guide you in and out across the street safely while that knee is bending? Wow, then that's not bothering you anymore. Wow. Oh, you're actually feeling your hips start to fatigue. Wow. Maybe maybe the hips weren't just working the way they should. And now we get those turned on. And then the knee's feeling like, oh, man, I feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. We, we love that. And I know, you know, as we're listening to this, Adrian over there, probably just kind of smiling from ear to ear because, uh, so Adrian's a new therapist we hired in the last couple of months, and we've been feeding him a lot of information. Uh, Gary Ward's anatomy emotion is something that he's been digesting a lot more of. And I know he's been kind of seeing some of his magic unfold and using it himself, seeing it to change himself, and then kind of showing the clients on how to use it. So I'm like, just give the floor to Adrian for a little bit. Just tell tell us your experience, you know, with anatomy emotion, how you're using the wedges and how you're kind of discovering this phenomenon for yourself and for your clients. Yeah, thanks. Um, one of the biggest things I notice is that a lot of these people, um, one of the first things I do when I have them, you know, get ready for the general assessment, I ask them, how does their weight feel uh, on their on their foot if it's equal or not equal depending on what their injury is and you know more times than not you know they had an old ankle history ankle sprain injury and they're like no oh, you know actually I feel like my pressure is more on my left foot than it is my right and that already keys me into like okay they don't feel grounded or stable on that foot so that kind of gets me thinking okay like how we can how is the rest of the body moving in terms of these other patterns like a squat like a lunge. Um, and then, so that just gets like the, the wheels turning and then just seeing how they regularly move and then start applying some of these concepts of getting to actually sense that foot and sense that foot tripod, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, you know, I, I saw someone go from extreme hip pain, couldn't run, uh, training for a marathon, uh, on a Monday stopped at four miles because of extreme hip pain, saw them on like Wednesday, did some foot flattening drills with some with some of the wedges, played around with it, able to run 13 miles on a Friday, no hip pain. And so that for me was like super eye-opening. And I was like, I got to start diving into this more or more deeply because if that can happen in just two little sessions that someone can just feel grounded and based on the floor to do an activity such as running, which is super repetitive and hardcore on the body and, and seeing those changes was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's really, that, that's, that's what uh, I think, that was my buy-in also. Like I'm taking small adjustments, m- maneuvers, movements, placing people into positions and then feeding them in and out of it and then having them walk around. And of course, nerves travel, I won't say at the speed of light, but they travel darn fast. And, and they get up into the area that the brain's figuring out where do I need to go or into the, you know, wherever it lands, whether it is the peripheral nervous system or central nervous system, it, it changes at the speed of nerve travel. And then, so that's the most amazing thing that people, I, I guess, continually scratch their head. They've had this symptom of pain for years, in some cases more. And you give them one thing and suddenly they walk around and, and they're almost like trying to hunt down to recreate the pain. Like, wait a minute, that can't be, this can't be. How can you just give me a couple of things and then 
no, no, that's, it's, no, that's not right. I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to hunt down the pain. Just enjoy where you are at this moment and know that you've got tools to help you be guided yourself into a place that is, is a lot happier. You know, the, the analogy that I, I tend to go to the most, as you can tell, I use symbolism and analogy to kind of get points across because I'm a gym rat. I lift heavy things. I count to 10. I put them back down. I am not a rocket scientist. The stuff that you guys learn in physical therapy school, it just, it just, it blows me away. You guys are, are the brainiacs in the group here. Uh, but so what I do is try and simplify things. And I think of your navigation on your smartphone. Let's say you want to head up to Portsmouth, New Hampshire and you're leaving Needham right now, and you put in on your, your navigation app, your destination, what does it do? It figures out what is the most efficient way to get you to your goal. And you start your journey, and you leave, and it shows you right there how to take that first turn, how to take the next turn. Now you're on, say, Route 95, and you're heading north. But there's a traffic jam. There's an accident on 95 North, and what is the navigation app going to do? Well, that's no longer the most efficient means. It's going to put you on a side road and it's going to change the direction. And now you're on a different route and you're not, now you're, you're on a surface road. You get back on 95 and they say, oh, oh, you know, we need to, there's, there's another, there's, there's something up else ahead. And they change that. That's what our brain is constantly doing. It's, it's a navigation system that is trying in regards to movement to find the best, most efficient means of getting you to do whatever task, whatever activity it is you're trying to do. Even just sitting here, it is doing that. It's like, well, which muscles are going to keep me, my head balanced, which is 10 to 12 pounds over my head? What am I doing? It's constantly navigating, trying to find the most efficient means. And so the approach that you guys are using, the approach that I use with the help of the wedges is, is kind of clearing off the navigation screen taking that accident and just moving it off to the shoulder. So now we can go through that highway again and get through it and get more efficient with our navigation. So that's really it. And our life is, is basically going from East coast to West coast with a whole bunch of accidents and episodes and trauma in between, but we're still going to get to that end range. We're just trying to help people get the most efficient way across the country. Man, as you were saying that, <laughs> I was just laughing because we use a very similar way to describe this exact phenomenon. We even call it a detour analogy. Just your life is a bunch of detours. Can we just give you one that's going to be better than the ones that you've been using? That's exactly. There you go. It's so funny that we kind of came around with the same and similar analogy. And I know Adrian's kind of smiling uh, over there because he's been using the same exact analogy for the last couple of months speaking to people and of course chris over here as well have probably heard us say the same exact thing thousands of times all right so now i want to transition into all right what's going on with uh, september 23rd i know you're coming here you can do an entire day all about these wedges and you just showed us one wedge there's actually three wedges for people who don't know there's three three different wedges that we can use and tell us about what you could be bringing uh, to to here and with your lessons uh, like uh, the rehab is a more performance based like tell, tell me a little bit about that thanks for the airtime yeah it's full spectrum actually so from from rehab we can implement this tool through rehab and into return to performance return to play for the athletes that are out there return to activity activities of daily life for the general population and then we can also utilize them into strength conditioning, into your gym routines. 
because the body is always in a state of flux. And we have this spectrum between <clears throat> uh, sainthood and ultimate life to, to death, right? Just to get to extremes here. And we're constantly floating on that spectrum. As we get less active or injured, we, we function less. And as we improve upon ourselves, we improve our function and our quality of life. And so the tools that are the wedges can be placed anywhere along that spectrum to encourage better movement uh, at any given time. So I use them in the gym setting. I use them in a rehab setting. I use them with the athletes on the field even or off the sidelines. <clears throat> Within the day's event, we start at 9 a.m. We finish around four. We'll have a lunch break in the middle of the day just so we can digest the information and some food and some energy. But ultimately, we need to know how the body moves. So the first portion is really going to be understanding those joint relationships within the body. When the foot strikes the ground, what should happen at the ankle in three-dimensional space, which should happen in the knee and the hip and the pelvis, the spine and so on. So we're gonna look at, get, a, get an understanding of what happens to the body when it lands on planet earth, AKA pronation. And then we're going to flip that on its head and, and reverse it to understand supination mechanics. And so how does the foot behave and the body above it when we're in essence kind of walking? Some of the basic understanding. And then we'll get a sense of why do we use the wedges? And we'll really dive in kind of hands-on to truly understanding how to implement them. What are we seeing in a person's whole body? Because unlike, I, I don't want to put podiatrists uh, I don't want to pigeonhole them, but there was one fellow at a, a dinner party some time ago that was a podiatrist. He said, oh, the stuff you're doing is great. You know, tell you what, you focus on the knee up, I'll focus on the knee down. And at that moment, I realized that at that particular individual um, just didn't have a full grasp that what happens to the foot actually affects the entire body, even though it spent a number of years in podiatric uh, medicine. So I'm not saying that is the case for all podiatrists. There's some that are really remarkable. It's just, um, it's just the technicians, I guess, and their information. But hey, we want to know um, how the foot and the body affect one another, top down, bottom up. So throughout this event at PhysioX, we're going to explore joint mechanics or biomechanics. We're going to explore how the laws of physics come into play with the body and how using inclined planes can affects a more efficient means of motion all the way up through the body. So we'll kind of work on one another if in a way or experience these movements and, and tap into how to, to perform with uh, the wedges in all those aspects, rehab, as well as strength conditioning. All right. Yeah, I can't wait for that class. Can't wait for the entire workshop. It's going to be so fun. Now tell us, like, who is the workshop for? Like, is anyone can join? Or like, who are the best people that would benefit from, from coming on? Yeah, it's amazing, Jay, how, how wide a spectrum of students that come to the workshops are. So there could be physical therapists, definitely athletic trainers, uh, personal trainers, strength conditioning coaches, manual therapists, like massage therapists, body workers, rolfers. Uh, people that have their clients on a table, but want to give them some homework that they can use so that they don't have to keep going back to the same 
tissue areas that there actually is change occurring because the person's doing some homework. It could be high schools, coaches, sport coaches, and then just general population. We've had people that are just kind of, they, they love geeking out in, in science and, and biomechanics like I, I know we do. And they, they may be, you know, a, a newspaper writer or, uh, or I think we had somebody that was maybe honestly was a rocket scientist, kid you not. I think he was actually a rocket scientist and, and was really just geeking out on science and wanted to come in and learn more. So it could be for anybody, but primarily the people that come in and attend are going to be either movement or manual therapists or specialists. Mm, excellent, excellent. And I love that there is that's why special from a population that goes to these workshops and learn these things, because I do think that uh, knowledge should be accessible to a lot of people, especially knowledge that can help a lot of people. And the way that we ever explain or the way that you're able to explain these concepts, you explain in a way I think anyone on the street can come by and can kind of really take general grasp of what you're trying to say versus some of the continuing education things that I've gone to, we go in there and there's like a bunch of jargon and there's almost like a bare of entry that if you can't speak this jargon, you can't really understand this material. And that's why I love kind of the things that you're doing is that you break it down to the very elementary pieces. And I think that's really where we need to be as a profession, as strength conditioning coaches, as you know, physical therapists, because we're just talking to other people who don't really understand all the science behind it. But can we display the knowledge in a way that's super digestible? And can we get them to experience things that are very complex in a very simple way? That way they buy in and they can tell, wow, this stuff really works and they can feel it in their own body. So I love that. Right on. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. If, if I can't understand it, I can't share it with others. So I've got to simplify it myself just to get a firm grasp of it. And uh, fortunately, I guess that's, that's one of my superpowers to, to make things simple. So, and that's kind of one of the biggest things that drew me to you in our first, you know, interaction with Joe, there's that I'm sitting in this, in this workshop and I'm like, I get it. Now it makes sense. <laughs> and cool. I, I come from, from a background, but I, I'm like, I can, he can probably say the same thing to some of my clients and they will probably get it in a very similar fashion. So yeah, very excited about it. So that's happening uh, September 23rd, uh, 9 a.m. is when everything's going to start kicking off, 9 to 4 uh, p.m. Can you tell uh, our, our listeners where we can, where they can find the tickets to this day and how much is this and when does it go on sale? You know, what is the logistic around it? You got it. Uh, if they register now, they can go through my website, rockysnyder.com. That's S-N as in Nancy, Y-D-E-R.com. Rocky is just like the boxer, R-O-C-K-Y. Uh, rockysnyder.com. Click on events at the top of the page. There's a little drop down, say courses and workshops. You click on that and you can register on that page. The cost is $239 currently. The day of will be $259. So I encourage you to sign up ahead of time. There is a limit to space. So Definitely want to try and act on it now um, before before spaces fill up. But if you want more information, you, you obviously you're you've been putting out some good content in, in regards to promoting the event, and you can go to my website as well as the uh, social media too. Whether it's Facebook or Instagram, you can look me up there, and there'll be some contacts or links there you can you can find as well. Absolutely. And is this the first leg of your, I, I want to call it a tour, because I think you're kind of moving to different directions. So is this kind of like the first, first space you're going into, and then you, you kind of doing some workshops and other uh, 
in other spaces as well? Yeah, I'm going to say this is my inaugural tour then. You're, you're going to be my kickoff spot in yeah. regards to this. And I hope to keep coming back to Physio X because there are several other courses that I've developed over time and want to share with other people. I, one of my kind of sidetracks is to work with professional sports teams because the information that we have here, uh, there's only really... There's only one team, it happens to be the Boston Red Sox, uh, that I'm aware of down in their Florida Complex League. They're actually using the, the wedges and they're seeing amazing results. So uh, while, I'm, while I'm back in the East, hope to knock on a few doors there, but uh, in the off season, going to do continuing education with the sports teams, but also going around and, and offering workshops and courses. And then we also have an online course on my website that for people that aren't able to travel, they can, they can get a lot of the information there too. Excellent, we love it. We're looking forward to it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, getting on this talk with us today to tell us about what you're doing. And you know, we're big fans. PhysioX is gonna be supporting Rocky all the way through. And we're very proud to be the first inaugural event that you'll be hosting and hopefully, Hopefully we'll just have you here a lot more often in the coming years and years. Okay. Right on, Jay. And Adrian, both of you guys, thanks for making this happen. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Hope people got uh, a lot out of it. I always do. It just reaffirms the, the connection that we have as well as the information that we're sharing. So it's, it's wonderful. And that's a wrap for this special edition of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder. I just want to thank you for coming on, staying with me and Dr. J. And if you are intrigued or interested in coming to Needham to the Physio X facility September 23rd for the Exploring Foot Wedges, do check out my website, rockysnyder.com, and click on workshops or events. And you can register there. I look forward to seeing you if that's the case. Or check us out online for the same course only you don't get to have me in person. It's just a whole bunch of me in front of the screen learning at the same time. We'll see you next Monday. Enjoy your weekend.